0: Welcome to Let's Talk Meaningful Conversations with Mary Burton. I'm your host, Mary. And today I have our very special guest, Rachel Witten back, to be talking about a subject that is very dear to her heart and to mine. It's about sex. Hi, Rach. Hi. It's so good to be back again so good to have you back again. So we are talking today a little bit more about what we started in our last episode, Mm -hmm. which was on desire discrepancy. Do you want to just describe what that is?
1: Yeah. So we were talking about the low desire and the high desire couple in a relationship and how one would always be a low desire person and one would be a high desire person in a couple at any point in time. So we've had some feedback from that session where they was talking about wanting to know more about this low desire and high desire thing. So we wanted to talk about that discrepancy between the two because it always exists in every relationship.
0: Absolutely every relationship. And I wanted to say that about 70 to 80% of therapy sessions that involve couples, this subject comes up as one of Mm -hmm. the most important subjects To talk about. And so we really don't want to pathologize the idea of desire discrepancy because I think when you listen to this, you're probably going to hear your own relationship in this at various Mm. stages. You're going to hear yourself in this. And so we just wanted to bring this subject today to give practical examples Mm -hmm. and practical ideas of how to navigate it and also to explain what it is. So let's start off with a question what is sex drive?
1: A lot of people think it's about thinking about sex all the time or wanting sex all the time. But a sex drive really is just a response that comes from a bunch of chemicals in your body. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people will have a spontaneous sex drive where you will just be thinking about sex or feel urges within your body during the day, like little flutters in your tummy Mm -hmm. or um, stirs within your groins. Mm -hmm. And it's a spontaneous sort of response. Mm -hmm. It's a drive that comes spontaneously, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is really more the responsive desire. Mm -hmm. And that is in response to stimulus. Mm -hmm. So sexual stimulus or intimacy stimulus. And it's not...
0: A thing that just forms on its own. It's in response to something. Mm-hmm. And so many people will say that they won't experience spontaneous desire at all. So they don't think about sex, they don't experience sexual feelings throughout the day. Mm. But those same people will say, once my partner starts touching me, Mm -hmm. once I might read or watch something that has to do with um, erotic um, thoughts or feelings, then they may start to feel aroused. They may start to feel that responsive desire. So really important when we're looking at desire discrepancy and the high desire and the low desire is what does affect the high desire and the low desire for Well, I think when you're looking at what stage of life
1: you are at Mm -hmm. as a person, as a human, so are you in your late teens or are you early married or in your 30s or 40s or 50s, our physical age and our body's ability impacts it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so like you just talked about stages, we go through stages Mm -hmm. in relationships. So in those early stages, we get flooded with some pretty cool neurochemicals Mm. that create in us this feeling of longing and wanting. And so that's why for many of us, we're much more sexually active in the beginning stages of a relationship. In fact, some research says that it can be 12 to 18 months that the oxytocin levels are still so high that it's, almost like taking a hit of cocaine. And so that's why we make really crazy choices and can stay up till 3am and can go and do some really wild things because that part of our brain that's quite uh, logical, rational and wise isn't working as Mm. well. And so for many of us, when we go into a more committed relationship, we then have this domestic energy where what happens is our neurochemicals just balance out slightly. And therefore we can often not feel that rush of excitement that we felt in the beginning. And a lot of people mistake that for, I've lost this Mm. loving feeling towards my partner. I'm just not as into them. Mm -hmm. When in actual fact, you've just settled into this wonderful relationship that you've got. And then other factors happen. So for many people, they'll become committed and start a family. They'll become committed and they'll have financial pressures. Mm -hmm. They'll become committed and then they really get to know each other and then they have issues within their emotional relationship. So all these things can really affect our desire towards one another. And the trouble with pathologizing it then or making it a problem is that we then go away saying there is something wrong with me or there's something wrong with my partner. Mm -hmm. And what we're here to say is there ain't nothing wrong with either of you. This is normal. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about the high desire and the low desire being quite normal. How does it affect each person? So talk about a bit Rach, if you were the high desire person, what are some feelings you might be feeling?
1: I think when we're high desire people in the relationship, we often are feeling hurt or rejected when we're initiating sex with our lover and we're feeling that rejection of like, no, not tonight, Mm -hmm. or I've got a headache. So when we are constantly initiating and feeling that knocked back a lot, we can often feel like, oh, there's something wrong with me. They Mm -hmm. don't love me. They don't desire me. Or you could be feeling like there's something wrong with me because I desire sex way more than the other person.
0: Yeah, and some people will say that they don't want to feel the feelings they're feeling. So if only I didn't want sex as much, then I would feel like I had some sense of power. Mm -hmm. So that feeling of being rejected, that feeling of being nervous to initiate again, that can really impact a person's emotional Um, Feelings and physical. So to physically be saying, I don't want to be having this desire, I don't want to be feeling this arousal all the time, that can Mm. be really frustrating for people, huh?
1: Yeah, and I think when that sort of stuff challenges our sense of connection or our safety, then we're going to be triggered into the fight or flight Mm. response where we just leave and we don't emotionally connect to our partner and we just flee connection Mm -hmm. because it's easier than feeling the pain. Or we fight for it and say, come be with me, Mm. have sex with me, why don't you do that? We make it a problem with them because we can't look at what's going on for us. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes if that doesn't work to get us to feel connected again, then we'll do the freeze response, which is just fully numbing out and fully disconnecting Mm -hmm. from the relationship.
0: Yeah, so I don't want to want you anymore, so I will just stop wanting. So, Yeah. yeah, I will often hear a partner who's the high desire say, I don't even want it anymore and the way to not want it is to not want you, not want my partner, not to have that desire because that's safer than wanting that partner all the time. Mm -hmm. What a sad feeling for people, hey? Yeah. And what about low desire? What might the low desire person be feeling?
1: Well, I think it's either two ways of feeling a lot of pressure to want something that isn't naturally spontaneously happening or even responsibly happening And so we can feel a lot of pressure and guilt when we're low desire and tired of having to say no or Mm. tired of being the person that feels like they're saying no all the time Mm -hmm. and all they will feel like they want to say yes when they actually mean no Mm -hmm. and so then they're having sex when they're not into it when their body's not into it when their body's putting a you know foot on the brake saying no Mm -hmm. and so they can often have very unenjoyable sex unsatisfying and even painful because their body might be
0: saying no Mm -hmm. quite fiercely. And that often can end in tears. I know so many couples who will sit in my office saying that they are trying to do the right thing by their partner by giving sex and they're giving it from a place of, I give up, I'll just give it to you. Mm -hmm. And both the high desire person and the low desire don't want sex like that. The high desire will often say, I would rather them just say no, Mm -hmm. than come to the party and do the dead starfish or just be thinking about something else and not fully present. Mm -hmm. And the low desire person says, I want to want it. I just don't. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to be there in that moment, giving you sex for your sake and not even thinking about how I feel. Because many low desire people say, I'm disconnected from my body.
1: Yeah, I think they end up going into that freeze response very quickly mm-hmm. where they are numb. And that means that they often are not in tune with actually what feels good for them. Their understanding of their own pleasure system gets completely blocked, and it's about a chore or it's about getting through this moment so that mm-hmm. they can get to the other side where they no longer are being, you
0: know, needed in this way. Mm. That's what I call dirty sex. So yeah, you know, how people have an idea of what dirty sex is. I think that's dirty sex because both people are performing in a mechanical act but it has no soul so they're doing it with their head but not with their heart and you can feel when a partner's not really there yes many partners will say that they want their partner to be fully present and so when a partner shows up and they're not present they're thinking about something else or they're resenting their partner it feels dirty Mm -hmm. it feels like it's not soul to soul Mm -hmm. connection
1: Or if you are turning up and not present and it seems like your partner doesn't care that you're not present and that they are happy Mm. that you are um, giving them their fill. If you're with somebody who is narcissistic or um, very self-centered and abusive, then that can feel like you don't even care about the
0: me in this. I'm Mm. just part of being the object that you can have sex with. Yeah, my understanding of sex is that it's mystical. So it's not meant to be an A, B, C, just follow these rules, which many people want. They just say, give me the quick fix. And we are going to give you some practical tips towards the end here. But Mm. sex without soul, Mm -hmm. sex without heart is really just... Banging. It's, yeah. it's not intimate. It's not something that is sharing a, a mystical connection with another person. Yeah. And this is why people will often turn to affairs or mm-hmm. they will go to somebody who fulfills that excitement, that wonder, yeah. that connection, and that presence. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not condoning an affair by any means, but what I'm saying is what people are seeking uh, with their partner is someone who'll say, Yep, I'm showing up and I'm here and I. I want to be with you and I'm being on purpose here with you mm-hmm. and I'm fully present to my body as well. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a gift. Navigating. Snarch calls this gridlock. When a high desire partner is saying to the low desire partner, I'm not going to stop wanting this, and the low desire partner is saying, well, I'm not going to stop being in this position where I don't feel like it, they're in gridlock. How do we navigate gridlock?
1: Yeah, you can't have half sex.
0: (laughs) No, you can't. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great analogy to say, yeah, you can't just say, oh, well, let's just have half sex. You either do or you don't. Someone's going to win and someone's going to lose.
1: When you're tuning into yourself and making a decision about what you are giving to the relationship both of you are tuning into themselves then you can give yourself whether it's giving sexual connection and intimacy sexual intimacy from a generous place or it's giving space and no pressure in this moment from a place of generosity not from that place of resentment or begrudgedness
0: yeah so this is for grown ups good sex is for adults yeah. because when we come from the worst in us and the immature in us we will sulk So if we're the high desire person, we'll sulk, we'll try to make the other person feel guilty, we'll let them know how we feel in a cruel way. Mm -hmm. We might withdraw, we might withhold. And when we are the low desire person and we're not coming from the best in ourselves, we can be stingy and we can be cold and harsh. Mm -hmm. And this is why it takes two very mature people to say, I'm going to navigate this mystical thing from the best in me. Yeah. So one of the signs of a, a really healthy sexual relationship is generosity between the two people. So generosity from a low desire person would be saying, I'm going to give this sexual connection to you from the very best in me. Or they could withhold and say, I'm going to hold true to myself and continue to say no, but I'm not doing it from a nasty space. I'm letting you know that I love you and I want to desire you and I'm not giving it to you. Mm. The high desire person, when they give or take from the best in them, would look like I'm gonna choose to not sulk, I'm gonna choose to be kind and loving and respectful and understand that this is something that you don't want and I'm going to pull back a little but not shut you off or shut you out. Or I'm gonna keep coming to you in a loving way that is in tune with your emotions, in tune with your heart. And those two things are really hard to do, particularly when you have a need or a want that's not being met. We're gonna get into some practical tips now of how to navigate this. How do people navigate the high desire and the low desire phenomenon? The number one thing I would start with would be to communicate. That sounds like the simplest thing and yet it really is the most complex and the most important thing to begin conversations with your partner about what's happening for you And then to have a curious conversation about what's it like for you. It might sound like this. Just say I'm the high desire partner and I'm coming to my partner and I'm saying, honey, I really feel for you with this. I want you to know how I feel. So I would talk about wanting you all the time, seeing your beautiful body and not being able to touch it because I don't want to trigger you, being in bed with you naked and wanting to roll over and touch you and knowing that you're pulling further away. I just want you to know this is not me being nasty to you. This is not me pointing the finger at you. I want you to know how it feels for me And now I'm curious about how it feels for you. What's that like having me look at you when you walk by me, having me go to touch you? What does that feel like for you? And Mm. if two people can have that conversation where they do not come back with defensiveness, curious conversations do not sound like, yeah, but you do this. And yeah, it really sucks. You need to stop that. A curious conversation is... I want to know how it feels for you. I want you to hear what it feels like for me and let's work together to come up with some ways that we can help each other not feel that. Yeah. What would you say about communication? What do you tell your clients when they're in a gridlock situation?
1: coming from the place of curiosity is the most important thing and then holding compassion for the other Mm -hmm. and for yourself. Mm. So being able to hold compassion for yourself going, this is hard for me Mm -hmm. and I have some really strong feelings about this and I know therefore you must be having your own experience of this and that might be hard for you. Mm -hmm. And if I can be curious about your heart and hold my heart at the same time, when then we can be open for discussion. Mm-hmm. Being able to, I always say the words like lay your weapons down. Mm-hmm. It's don't come together for a conversation ready to fight, ready to say your bit, your ammunition and throw it at them to win. It's about winning is actually Laying our weapons down and coming together with curiosity and compassion, because
0: then we win. That's a really interesting point because when people make a commitment to one another to be in a long term committed, monogamous relationships. So they're saying non-monogamy is out. That means we don't go to anyone else. We only come to each other for our sexual connection. We're really in a very difficult situation when one person says, I just don't want it. And the other person says, I signed up for monogamy with you. And it really creates tension between the two, unless people decide we're just not going to have sex. So we've decided that we're going to be in a very committed relationship that is sexless that's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. But if one of you says, nah, I didn't sign up for that, then you each have a problem. This is the two of us putting our weaponry down and saying, let's us decide what we can do with that. Yeah. One of the ways that I would negotiate that would be to say, let's redefine sex let's talk about what sex is for us. So for many people, sex in a heterosexual relationship Mm -hmm. is a penis in a vagina. For people of any sexual orientation, they have their norms and they will say, this is what sex, having sex is for us. Do you want to talk a little bit more about defining sex?
1: Yeah, because a lot of people will hit towards that intercourse Mm. stage of sex, that is a typical way of understanding it. But there's a deeper way of understanding sex. Sex is connection through sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. And f- for some couples, sex might be about having intercourse, having mm-hmm. penis and vagina mm-hmm. sex. Mm-hmm. For other couples, it can just be about having an orgasm of some kind mm-hmm. by the end of their time together. And that can involve other sex acts like oral sex mm-hmm. or um, manual um Oh, what are they Stimulation. called? Stimulation. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to say hand job. <laughs>
0: Yeah, just or, or <laughs> on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like,
1: what's yeah. the right way of saying that? <laughs> and other things like kissing and massage and sensual touch. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you're not clear about what sex is for you as your own person and what sex is for that other person, are they always wanting one particular thing and are mm. you always not happy with that or mm. wanting something else? Mm. And so being clear about what each other expects from a time of being sexually connected together is... Mm. Is really important. Because the
0: goal is supposed to be pleasure. Yes. We both experience pleasure. And if you can begin a conversation before most sexual encounters, if you're trying to navigate this, you want to have these conversations regularly. Before most intimate connections, you might say to your partner, what is it that you feel like? What will be pleasurable? Now, this can change mm. because you've got spontaneous and responsive desire here. Mm. But one partner might say, actually, I really just don't feel like an orgasm, but I'm happy for you to, if Mm -hmm. you'd like to, or I don't feel like sex this way, I'd be happy to try this thing. And then within the course of that sexual connection, one of you may change your mind and go, you know what, I've had enough of that, or actually I'm feeling really excited now, I'd like to try this. As long as you're both talking about it, that's how you can navigate this because what couples often do is go to their corners, pick up their weapons and say, right, game on. And it really does become this game of reciprocity. So I'll give you this if you give me that or I'm not giving you this because you didn't give me that.
1: And it's not because they're deliberately being unkind or immovable it's because when we are not feeling connected we can move into that fight or flight Mm -hmm. so we're not our best selves so holding compassion for each other and not judging each other when you realize oh we're in a place that's difficult and we're not able to get through this because we're just fighting all the time Mm. or not talking at all
0: Yeah. And how sexy is it to move towards someone when you're not feeling close and connected emotionally? It's not sexy at all, is it? It's not a turn on. I want to say this, because I think this is a really important issue to address is that most people need some level of emotional safety and connection in order to feel sexually aroused and connected. And if you're with a partner who says, for me to feel like my accelerator's on, I need to feel like we've had a good conversation, I feel like we need to have had some sort of connection outside the bedroom, then you need to listen to that partner. Mm -hmm. And that would look like you going out of your way to connect with them. Connecting might be let's light some candles, Let's go out for dinner. Let me empty the rubbish. Let me be the one to give you a massage. Let me run a bath for you. So having that emotional connection. Now, as I'm hearing myself talk, I'm thinking that some people might be thinking, okay, I do all those things and then I still don't get what I want. If you do it from that, that's reciprocity. So that's saying, I'll give you this. Now you need to give this back to me. What I'm suggesting is if you're the low desire partner and your partner's giving you those things. That can feel like pressure. So, it is very important to discuss with each other how you're feeling. Honey, I would really like to have a sexual connection with you. Is there something I can do to help you be in the mood? Honey, I'm really feeling pressure here. The thing that you just did for me leads me to believe that I'm now going to need to put out for you. How you navigate that's so important. Now, they're really normal. They're Mm -hmm. very normal things for each person to feel, but you need to start talking about that. And you need to remember you've made a commitment to one another to say we're in a sexual relationship. How do we as a couple navigate that? Yeah. That's tricky. It is. That's really tricky.
1: Especially as our drives or our experience of sexuality can change Mm -hmm. as we are growing as a person.
0: A question that I will often ask couples is tell each other what kind of sex you want to show up for. So the kind of sex that one person wants to show up for might be hot and heavy and ending in two people having rapturous orgasms simultaneously, but the other person might say, the kind of sexual connection I want to show up for is a warm massage that ends with one Or neither people orgasming, but we both walk away going, that felt really good. Mm -hmm. So again, talking about what's the kind of sex that you want to show up for. Another little exercise I say to people is try and remember a time that you did have really good sex. What did you feel like? What was happening for you at the time? What did you think or feel about your partner? What was happening for them at the time? both physically, emotionally, where were you? What were the things that were contributing to that? So what were the contextual factors? Like, were we on holiday? Was it warm? Was it cool? Because then if you can think about all the things that were really good about sexual Mm -hmm. experiences, you can try and recreate them when you're saying, yep, we are going to try and have some connected sexual time.
1: Yeah, and you can both be intentional with that if you're aware of your own and each other's.
0: Emily Nagoski, who's a sex researcher, said some really important things in her TED talk. And one of them was that couples who have very connected sexual relationships schedule Mm. sex, Mm -hmm. which for many people can feel like an ultimate mood killer, particularly for the low desire person saying, now I have to put out or the high desire person saying, I'm going to rely on this and then I'm going to be turned down yet again. And yet the way that you schedule it is very important. So each person gets to decide, they come together, they talk. So here's the number one thing that Rach and I are suggesting is that you talk, you start mm. to have conversations, you don't let this go unsaid. And you might say to one another, I really like it when you wear this, or when you smell like this, or when this music's playing. And so you're each setting yourselves up for pleasure. You're saying, I would feel more turned on when this was happening. And you can say to one another without defensiveness, I would rather we didn't do this. I would not like to do this. However, I would like to do this. Mm -hmm. And that can set the tone for each person to say we're showing up for pleasure.
1: Yeah, because it's really about connecting with play. Mm -hmm. Adults stop playing. When we grow up, we sort Mm. of grow up and get all serious. But the erotica, the sex is really our version of play, Mm. being curious and playful. The other side of the erotica, which is like curiosity, vulnerability, variety, flexibility, you know, all those delicious, playful things, being able to tune into like your inner
0: child, really. Mm. Yeah, I don't use the word foreplay anymore yep. in sex therapy because foreplay is meaning that there's something that's got to come True. after that. I and like so that. play is much more wonderful where we're just playing and yep. we'll see what happens with this. Are we both feeling pleasure? Yup. Well, then we've done what we were meant to do. Yeah. We've come for what we've come for. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which which removes the
1: breaks that can Mm. often be on us when we're thinking about foreplay. Oh whether the high desire is thinking, you know, oh, I've got to do all these things and make this person feel this way so they're ready for sex, Mm -hmm. or the other person's thinking, oh, I have to fake an orgasm so that they think that I'm ready for sex Mm -hmm. and just to get the job done. If you're aiming towards sex, then it takes the opportunity for that enjoyment of the play and being very present in that play.
0: I read a research study on how couples navigate desire discrepancy Mm -hmm. and three things that they found that helped people to be satisfied in navigating were engaging in more sex. Mm Mm-hmm. So when people actually just say, all right, we're just going to have more sex, we're just going to give it a whirl, they actually both came away feeling more satisfied Mm. and that that helped. Different sexual activities. And one of the big things that stood out in this research study is that they added... Masturbation, either mutual or alone, and sex toys yes. to the party. And yes. the thing that is really important with sex toys is that that can really help, particularly a female who has difficulty orgasming or wants to orgasm quite quickly, mm-hmm. sex toys really do make it much they more expedited, yes. Right. And so that can be a really helpful way of navigating this. When a person says, oh, yeah, I'm going to show up for sex because I'm going to be able to have an orgasm quite easily, mm. they may say yes a little more. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the final thing was sexual communication. So those things are linked with higher levels of sexual satisfaction. Yeah. And that's navigating this desire discrepancy. So again, Rachel and I can't stress enough to start having conversations about mm-hmm. what's really going on.
1: Speaking of which, Mm -hmm. you have those lovely cards now for sale on the website. Mm -hmm.
0: Can you talk a little bit about that? Yep. So they're erotic connection cards and I wrote them myself actually based on things that I heard from couples and questions that I would ask them and the questions that I could hear that they wanted to ask each other but just weren't Mm -hmm. talking about. Right. And so they're there to begin conversations. Some of you may find them a little provoking. So they may maybe about sex toys or how do you feel about masturbation or how do you feel about this, they're not meant to frighten couples off. What they're meant to do is go, how do you really feel about this? You don't have to do anything with it afterwards, Mm -hmm. but just simply to understand your lover and understand where they're at and why they think the way they do and even to spark in you why you think or feel the way you do about certain things. Mm
1: I think that's wonderful because I think for the topic of sex, the word taboo is very closely aligned to it in very many cultures, especially the Christian world Mm -hmm. or any other sort of highly religious Mm -hmm. Muslim. Mm -hmm. The topic of sex, because it's so sacred and it's so connected to marriage, Mm -hmm. heterosexual marriage, Mm -hmm. that it's considered to be this place where you will very quickly learn right or wrong or mm-hmm. good or bad mm. and so if you are thinking oh I would like to use sex toys or oh I would like to masturbate more often or mutually masturbate with mm-hmm. each other and that's all we do but you don't bring it up because you think it's wrong or mm-hmm. bad or sinful or mm-hmm. yuck mm-hmm. having a the cards to help you actually ask questions that you may not feel brave enough to mm. ask or even consider I think that's great.
0: Yeah, and I also did it because anyone who's in a relationship is going to be having sex to some degree and it's not something that people want to talk about. It's quite embarrassing for many people to talk about or yeah. quite shameful for people to talk True. about. And if you can't talk with your partner about your sex life or their sex life, who the heck can you talk about it with? Mm-hmm. So these questions are meant to stimulate conversations that lead to... A a deeper connection and deeper understanding of yourself and of others.
1: And it's inviting that vulnerability.
0: And speaking of vulnerability, I think it's important that because we're addressing sex, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to talk about the impact of sexual abuse on desire and libido Mm -hmm. because sexual abuse, particularly when there's been childhood sexual abuse or if there has been a sexual assault, Mm -hmm. that really messes with our neurochemicals and our capacity to feel safe in our bodies. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other level. Mm -hmm. Did you want to say something about that, Rach?
1: Yeah, I think, first of all, acknowledging that this exists either in your past, sometimes for a lot of people, depending on how young they were Mm -hmm. when they experienced sexual abuse, it can be on that level of unconscious knowing, they don't Mm -hmm. actually really remember it, Mm -hmm. so being aware that you have this part of yourself that has experienced some harm in the sexual arena and that it is impacting what messages your nervous system is getting about being safe and being connected. And that also it's not just a negative experience for some people who experience sexual abuse because the abuser did it effectively Mm -hmm. they actually felt connected they actually felt love Mm -hmm. a form of love in that experience. Mm. And so then they can be very confused about mm. what that means, that mm-hmm. they actually enjoyed some parts of it or they actually experienced pleasure because A plus B often will equal C. Mm. And so it can they can be very confused and it can be a part of a dynamic in the relationship that is never discussed, mm-hmm. especially if you're not looking at it for yourself and being aware of it and knowing that this is a part of you mm. and how to heal those parts that have been hurt and I think also how to share that vulnerability with your lover because Mm. it is this mystical sacred thing and the abuse
0: can often penetrate into a very deep part of yourself yeah If any of you have experienced that or have a partner who has experienced that, that can be a space for therapy. So Mm -hmm. getting somebody from the outside who can really help. There are lots of books. I'll put a couple of books on the show notes that can help you through that. And I would also say if when we're talking about desire discrepancy, the sexual abuse has come into your mind in this space, then beginning a conversation where you talk about it with no shame with your partner and holding the shame because shame is often a big part of sexual abuse but holding the shame to the side to be able to have a conversation where you can enter into play because that is possible yes. without fear.
1: And I think also keeping in mind that when your lover comes to you and shares something like that with you maybe for the first time, that that's going to stir stuff within you, that you're Mm. going to feel feelings, whether it's you might know the person that has hurt them sexually Mm -hmm. or you may not, but it's going to stir feelings within you too. And so Mm. being able to hold your stuff while holding their stuff and then they're holding their Mm. stuff while holding coming to you, it is – I do think therapy will be yeah. particularly important at some point in that journey. Mm-hmm.
0: And because we're being quite serious here, we have been quite playful throughout the podcast. I think it's important to talk about when there's pain and resentment within a relationship with Mm. two people. So it is very hard to desire someone when you're feeling that they've hurt you, when you're feeling that they don't listen to you, they are annoyed with you. That's worth looking at too and dealing with before you even deal with the sexual connection. Sometimes people can have a sexual connection connection and it's totally separate to the emotional connection. But most times in long-term committed relationships, there needs to be a level of safety within the relationship to be able to play and have fun. So again, speaking to a therapist or speaking to your partner or or a safe person where you can talk about that resentment or that pain that's built up.
1: Yeah, because in power dynamics, sometimes we can choose manipulation. So make people feel safe Mm. in order to get the sex and then that gives such mixed messages to the person receiving that well you do you're kind to me you're loving to me and then when you get sex then you suddenly change Mm -hmm. and that dynamic is very common in in relationships when there is a a power imbalance Mm -hmm. or um there is a form of emotional abuse often
0: yeah look this and again we've said this is quite a mystical thing sexual relationship because even in that dynamic many couples will say they feel emotionally disconnected and yet when they have sex, then they feel emotionally connected and then they can have those talks. So it really is quite mystical. I I recognize as we're talking, it's not an A, B, am sure that people are listening out there who have got plenty of questions or plenty of things they want to say to us. Please write them in because we want to address this. We don't for one second think that this is a simple ABC, do this and it'll work. Relationships are complicated and that's why we want to talk about these complicated issues. Mm
1: -hmm. And at the core of all healthy relationships is that ability
0: to be compassionate and curious with each other and Mm. yourselves Mm. what a beautiful place to end that Rach. yeah thank you again for coming and speaking about a topic that's very close to both of our hearts so good to be back thank you for sharing your wisdom and i'm sure we'll hopefully now if we get some questions that are specific we will certainly address them on more episodes sounds good This episode is a production for Mary Burton Psychotherapy and Counseling, hosted by me, Mary Burton. Audio production and sound design by Joshua Burton, social media by Raleigh Ranaletto. theme song composed by Gavin Luke, and online digital content by Brianna Burton. For more information or resources on today's topic, visit maryburton.com.au.